Well, this morning is the uh, second Sunday in Advent, uh, and we are in the second week of our sermon series looking at the songs of the Nativity. And throughout this sermon series, uh, we're looking at the original uh, Christmas songs, right? It's like the the pre-Christmas Christmas songs. Before Christmas was a thing, these songs were written. They're in the first two chapters of Luke. And, and we're looking at them because I think they have for us the perfect message for our time, uh, because they are songs that offer a deep sense of hope. Not a not a pointless hope, not an aimless hope, but a hope that's in touch with the realities of even the world that we face, the world that we live in right now. And these hymns, these songs of the nativity, these Christmas songs, these original pre-Christmas Christmas songs, now they capture the Advent spirit, that, that hopeful waiting and anticipation, uh, deep trust, knowing that God's promises are true and that God's promises are going to take place. Now, I've heard, uh, I've heard from a couple of people that uh, were kind of wondering, said, you know, Advent is a little bit new to us. What is this, you know, Advent that we're talking about? And I thought it was just Christmas season. Uh, well, uh, if Advent is something new, I'll, I'll share real quick. Advent is a season that has been celebrated by Christians since the 4th or the 5th centuries. Uh, it's a season of waiting and anticipation. We're waiting because... Christmas is coming, where we get an opportunity to celebrate the birth of Jesus, uh, yet it's also a season of waiting with special attention to the promise that Jesus is coming again, right? And so we, we know that he came the first time. We celebrate that. We do lots of things to prepare. We decorate our houses. We buy gifts. Uh, we go out and sing Christmas carols or look at Christmas lights. You know, there's lots of things that we do to prepare because we know that Jesus has come and we celebrate that. But we also know that he's coming again. There's a promise, there's a hope for us as people uh, of, of Jesus, as people who follow the Christ child, that he is coming again to set things right. And so we prepare ourselves for that. We, we pay special attention to the fact that he's coming again, trusting and knowing that, that God's promises are true, that it will happen, that it will take place, and that he'll show up and he'll meet us in the midst of our lives right now, and then he'll show up uh, again and set all that's in the world right. And so we celebrate it in the weeks that's leading up to Christmas because we are preparing for Jesus. We're preparing for his arrival. It's not an ordinary waiting. It's a waiting that's filled with anticipation, a waiting that's filled with expectation, a waiting that's filled with preparation, a waiting that's filled with hope because we believe that God's promises are true. It's a season where we, where we try to deepen our trust in God. Uh, where we want to, to step out in our faith, trusting that God's promises that there is something better that's coming are really true. And so these songs of the nativity are, are perfect for this season because they are written by people who know what it means to wait. Uh, the people of Israel have been waiting for generations, hundreds upon hundreds of years, waiting for probably what seemed like forever, waiting to the point where they were almost ready to give up hope, waiting for God's promise to deliver them, waiting for God's promised blessing upon them. And now I do kind of have to say that part of their waiting was uh, in part because they struggled to follow God's commands. And because of their struggle to follow God's commands, it made some of their waiting a little bit longer. Uh, part of their waiting was because sometimes they tried to take things into their own hands rather than placing it in God's hands. I don't know if anybody can relate to that or not. You know, sometimes my own problems are, are myself, right? That rather than trusting that God is going to do what God said, I, I got to make it happen. I need to, to take care of things. And so 
but sometimes that just makes the waiting take a little bit longer because I've messed up something that God has in the works. It doesn't mean that God's promises aren't going to come true. It just means that it's going to take a little bit longer to get there because I've kind of gotten in the way of it. Uh, and so the people of Israel, you know, they were waiting and they were waiting and they were waiting and they found themselves just tired. They were in need of a savior. They were not just physically tired. They were tired in their souls. They were, they were weary. They were traveling in darkness. Felt like they were traveling in a desert place. And perhaps that's something that, that we can relate to a little bit. Um, you know, maybe after COVID, uh, a couple years of that, maybe after uh, Hurricane Ian, maybe, maybe we can relate to this idea of being tired, uh, of being weary in our souls. At least we know what it is to wait, right? I mean, waiting on the insurance to finally get back to us, waiting for the streets to get picked up, waiting for, for something, for some sign that we're going to get back to something called normal. We know what it's like to wait. We know what it is to be tired. We know what it is to need our souls to be refreshed, for our souls and our spirits to be renewed. And if it's not just like these recent happenings in the world that leave us in this place of weariness, it's something else. You know, a health condition, a diagnosis, whether it's our own or a loved one's, maybe a loss, a loved one, a family member, a friend, maybe it's even just the loss of what once was. Maybe there was some dream or some hope that we'd hold on to and we realize that it's because of something that happened, maybe because of something that somebody else did, it's not going to come to fruition. Maybe there's a child that's struggling and it weighs on your heart. Maybe you have a grandchild that's going through a difficult time and it just weighs on you. You feel that sense of of weariness, of hurt within your soul. Maybe it's work issues, relationship issues, economic issues. We could go on and on and on. The world and our lives, they come with their struggles and we know what it's like to be weary in our souls. We know what it's like to need that refreshment to be renewed and revived. And I think it's why these songs are perfect because they give us hope in the midst of struggle, uh, that there's something better that's coming. You know what? And maybe you might say this morning, you know what? I'm in a, I'm in a really good place right now. These songs still give us hope that there's something even better that's coming. They, they give us a song that we can sing along to and we need to take a step of trust with God. And so this morning's song, it comes from Luke chapter 1, verse 67 through 79. It's the song of Zechariah. Uh, and so as you turn there this morning, it's got a little backstory to it that I'm going to share with you. Uh, Zechariah was a priest who had served God faithfully. Uh, and scripture goes out of its way to point out Zechariah was, was faithful in his service to God. He had a wife named Elizabeth, and she had been faithful throughout her whole life as well. Scripture said that they were blameless before God. Uh, Not a whole lot of people uh, can make that claim. Scripture doesn't say that about a whole lot of people, but it made that clear about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Yet, yet in their lives, they they went through life with their own sense of weariness, their own personal tiredness, uh, their own kind of shame because Elizabeth was barren. They had no child and they were of old age. And in their culture, in their time, uh, to not have children was a sense of shame and scorn within their society, within the place that they lived. And so they carried this weight upon them. And a lot of that uh, people suggested was that they had done something wrong. And so there was a punishment. This lack of children for them was because of something they had did or because God was not looking favorably upon them. And so it's interesting. Scripture goes out of its way to make sure we know that they were blameless, that they were righteous, so that that's not the reason. Yet they also carried the sense of shame and scorn within the community around them because of it. And so Zechariah lived with this sense of shame until, uh, until one day an angel shows up. 
Zechariah is going off into the temple. He's doing his priestly duty, and an angel shows up and begins to speak to him. And she tells him, you know what, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are going to have a child. And you're going to name this child John. He's going to be a prophet, a messenger of God, who's going to let people know that a Savior is coming into the world. When Zechariah heard this message, uh, he doubted. Even though he had been righteous his whole life, he doubted. Now, I find that perhaps to be one of the most relatable things uh, in this story. Because I find myself, at times, you know, doubting. Doubting whether or not uh, that, that God's promise is actually going to come true. Doubting whether or not there is going to be you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. Doubting, not sure of whether or not we're actually going to make it through whatever it is that's going on in that time. And so I can relate to Zechariah, this, you know, overwhelming sense of God's goodness. and like, wow, you know, is, is that really going to happen, God? Is that really going to happen for me? I, I can see that might happen for somebody else, but for me. And so Zechariah, he, he, he doubted. Sometimes, you know, if you've experienced the kind of shame that Zechariah has experienced within your life, it might lead you to this place of doubt. Sometimes if you've gone through those trials or challenges that Zechariah has been through, you might have that kind of doubt. And so Zechariah, he doubted the angel's message. He doubted the promise of God to be true. And it didn't stop God's promise from happening. God was going to work his plan out. But, but because Zechariah had doubted, he had to be mute until the baby was born. He was unable to speak, couldn't say a word. Nine months of pregnancy, him not saying a word. I'm not sure if his wife was, you know, happy about that or, or not. Uh, she might have been okay with that, actually. She might have said, God, you know, can you mute him a little bit more? Uh, it doesn't say that in the scripture. We don't know. But um, don't go praying that for your spouse this morning. Uh, but... But nine months later, the baby's born. Everybody in the community is wanting to know this baby's name. And so they ask Zachariah. He's not able to speak yet, so he writes it down. You know, the baby's name is to be John. And as soon as he writes it down, as soon as they see that, Zachariah is able to speak again. And the people, they sense, you know, there's something supernatural that's taking place. Both with Elizabeth, who's barren, who's too old to have a child, uh, giving birth to this child. Zachariah, not able to speak, and now he's able to speak. There's something that God is doing here. I wonder what it is. I wonder what's going to become of this baby John and what God's going to do next. And so it's then that Zachariah lets out with his song. And it's in Luke chapter 1, verse 67 through 79. Uh, we're going to read together. It says, uh, then uh, his father, this is John's father, Zechariah, uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. He began to speak God's good news. It says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his child, David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness, in his presence all our days. And you, child, uh, speaking of John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to shine upon those who sit in darkness 
and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Right, so in the midst of darkness, right, a time when Zechariah's people, uh, the people of Israel are being ruled by an occupying force, and a time when generations have been waiting and longing for a savior, a time when he's experienced his own uh, sense of shame and pain, Zechariah busts out this song of praise and this song of hope. As we read it, we see that it's a song of praise because Zechariah begins to rejoice that God's promises are true. Right? He's rejoicing that what God has promised is coming to pass. After years and years, God has raised a mighty Savior, just like he told the prophets, just like the prophets said on God's behalf that a Savior was coming, it's now taking place. After suffering and struggling for generations, Zechariah's people, uh, the people of Israel are being saved from their enemies. They're being rescued from their hands so that they might serve God in holiness and righteousness. This is a song of praise that Zechariah is offering because it gives thanks to God for his mercy. It gives thanks that there's a new day that's coming. It gives thanks that those who have sat in darkness and the shadow of death will find a path of peace. It's a song of hope because this deliverance that Zechariah is giving thanks to God for hasn't fully happened yet. It's a song of hope because Zechariah knows these things are occurring, but they have not yet occurred. Right? Jesus, the Savior from the house of David, he's still got three more months at least before he's yet to be born. Jesus, the, the rescuer of God's people, the one who's to guide our feet in the way of peace, he's still coming. So the promise is there. The signs that it's happening are there, but it's yet to come. So it's a song of hope because it's expecting that God's promises are going to be fulfilled. And so I think there's a great word in the song for us, right? This mixture of praise and hope. It reminds us that even when the world seems to be crumbling around you, that God hasn't forgotten you. That God sees you and that God has a plan and he's working for your deliverance. Even when you can't see it, even when you're unsure of what's taking place, even when you think that God has no idea what's going on, the song reminds us that God sees you, that he notices you, and that he's working. It's a reminder of what, we, of what Paul later tells us, you know, that God is working for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. It's a promise that we can take hold of, that we can hold on to, that we can find strength from. There is hope. And so it's a, a song for us because no matter what you're going through, God sees you, he notices you, he loves you, he cares for you, and he's working on your behalf. And so rather than letting, you know, the worry and the anxiety, rather than letting this waiting on God uh, to, to create a sense of doubt and stress, rather than letting your waiting to, to lead to a sleepless night, or, or even at times, you know, when we're waiting and that stress, the anxiety gets to us, we become a little bit agitated, a little bit ill-tempered with the people around us. But rather than allowing the waiting to lead us into those places, this song reminds us to look to God. To give thanks for what God has done. To give thanks that God's promise of what he's going to do 
is true, that it will happen because we can trust in God. We can give God thanks because he is merciful. We can give him thanks that a new day is coming. We can give him thanks that there is a new day that has already come in Jesus, that God's promises have been true in the person of Jesus, what he's done for us, that through his life, death, and resurrection, he has offered us salvation, the forgiveness of sins, a hope of life everlasting that we can take hold of even now in the midst of our promises and trust that he's going to do it again. Rather than letting circumstances define our disposition, we can wait with a hope-filled trust that the same God who has worked in the past is still working now. That the same God who has brought salvation to us is bringing a, a pathway of peace before us. And it could come in an unexpected way. Uh, it might show up and take place in a way that, that we're unaware of, that we might miss out. God might show up and speak to you in a way that you had never even dreamt of before. God might meet your need in a way that you had never thought would take place. This all reminds us that his promises are true. You know, the people of Israel, they, a lot of them missed the way that God was fulfilling his promises because they did not expect their deliverance, their salvation to come through a baby born of a virgin in a manger in a lowly, humble place. It confounded them. They couldn't wrap their heads around it that God had showed up to bring the deliverance that they had been waiting for. And so while you're waiting, while you have this hope-filled expectation, while you're giving God thanks that his promises are true, it's a reminder to, to seek him, to look for God, that he will come through, he will prevail, and it might show up in an unexpected way, but it's an opportunity to give thanks to him in the midst of it. And in this song, and I'm going to close on this song, this, this song gives us a hope. A hope uh, beyond whatever situation we're going through because it offers to us a hope that our Savior has come in the person of Jesus. A, a hope that he is coming again. In the person of Jesus, God has shined upon all who walk in the shadow of death. In the person of Jesus, God has offered light and life to the whole world, to all who would place their faith and their trust in him. In the person of Jesus. God has offered us salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, and hope of life eternal with him. Uh, Paul later on would say, if, if all we have is hope in this life, then we are to be pitied uh, above all. Because there's something better that awaits. There is something greater that is coming. We have a hope not only for this life, but a hope that there is a life to come. A hope and a promise that Jesus is coming again and he will make all things new. That there's a new heaven and a new earth. That there's a place that's prepared for us where there's no more crying, there's no more death, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering because it's all been defeated. That in Christ God has conquered death and sin and the grave. And so there's a place that is prepared for us. A kingdom where he will reign forever and we are invited to join him in this kingdom, to join him in this place. It gives us hope. It enables us to live this life without fear because we know what awaits us. We know what is coming and Christ will come again. It's a promise that we take hold of. And so if you're looking for the real hope of Christmas this season, I want to invite you to place your hope and your trust in Jesus, to trust what he's already done. Right, that through his life, death, and resurrection, he has offered you salvation. A salvation that gives you a peace that passes understanding. A salvation that can fill your heart with joy, even in the midst of sadness, even in the midst of gloom, even in the midst of despair. Christ can enter in 
and bring joy into that. I want to invite you to know Jesus this Christmas season uh, and to know him not only as your Savior, but as your Lord, the one who will guide your steps. Uh, the one who, if you, if you look to him, if you trust in him, he's going to make straight your path. He's going to enable you to walk in peace. And he'll guide you. He will speak to you. As you open yourself to him, as you listen for his voice, he will give you wisdom beyond what you could know. Uh, off of just the things that you might read or what you might see on TV, he will guide your steps in a way that leads to peace. If you need hope this Christmas season, I invite you to know this Jesus who is coming again. And he's coming for us. He's coming to make all things new. There's a hope that we have. So let us go to the Lord together in prayer this morning. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this hope that we have in Jesus, a hope that he is coming again to meet us, to take us to be with him, a hope that he is coming to make all things new, where we might experience the fullness of your presence, of your joy, and of your peace. Lord, you have given us this this foretaste of your presence, this uh, little bit of it right now in this place, but we know there is even greater, even more that is coming. And so, Lord, we look to you with anticipation and hope. Lord, we we pray uh, if we don't yet know Jesus as our Savior, we pray that Jesus would enter in. Forgive us of our sins. Lord, we confess our need for you. Meet us here in the midst of our need and lead us in salvation. Lead us in your peace. Be a light to our path, we pray. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.